you're listening to The Cumberland Road, and I'm your host, TJ Melanoski. Following is a faith conversation with John Peon. He is an Air Force ROTC instructor at the University of Georgia and a captain in the United States Air Force. John is also a candidate for ministry to the Word and the Sacraments. He is one of the founding members of the GJH Ministries, a new church development in Duluth, Georgia. In our conversation, John shares how he came to the Christian faith as an 18-year-old and his search for finding guidance and understanding to satisfy the hunger of learning what it means to have faith. John found it in a unique place and among some amazing people. Enjoy this faith conversation with John Peon. John, thank you for joining me on the podcast. I thought we could open up the conversation, the faith conversation with GJH Ministries. Um, it's a Cumberland Presbyterian New Church Development. And, well, tell me more about it. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, thank you so much for inviting me uh, to this opportunity to share about my church and also my faith. Um, so GJH Ministry um, stands for God, Jesus, uh, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Um, GJH Ministry is located in Duluth, Georgia. Um, we found the church back in 2014. So um, this June will be around nine years uh, since the church has been founded. Um, so it's say it's fairly new, uh, but it's growing. Um, so uh, originally we were doing uh, me plus uh, a couple of other college students, um, most of them were college students. Um, we were doing discipleship training uh, through our current pastor, uh, Pastor Peter Jung. Um, this is back back in like 2012, 2013. Um, they, we all went to this. Uh, we all went to the same university, uh, University of Georgia, and the there was uh, one of the church members who knew Pastor Jung before. Um, they were doing discipleship training, and then once I went to UGA and met him. Um, he invited me to attend this discipleship training with Pastor Jung. And we did, did that for about one or two years, uh, met on a weekly basis to share about our faith, um, to grow in our faith and see how we can um, actually practice our faith in our daily lives. Um, and that was a that was a definitely a life changing experience for me um, because I was at that point, I was I was fairly new to my Christian faith. And so, you know, I was reading the Bible, but I didn't really understand, you know, what was Jesus saying? You know, what is the Bible saying? What is God saying? Um, and Pastor Zhang, or, um, he kind of kind of translated it for me. Hey, this is what God is saying. This is how you should live your faith um, and how to practice your faith in the daily in your daily life to be um, the, the mirror of Jesus in your life. And so as as I did that training, I, I gained a lot more confidence. I gained um, a sense of identity of who I actually was, uh, because before I, I didn't really understand who I was. Um, I didn't know what I was doing with my life and where my mat or my life will take. GJH, 
uh, its roots begin there at the university. So a handful of students kind of yes. gather together for for study. And so this new church development actually is coming out of students gathering together at school for yes. further study. Yeah. How did uh, you get connected with the current church leader, the, the pastor? Um, so uh, there was one church member um, that was that was uh, that I met at a different uh, a Christian organization on campus. It was a Korean Christian campus meeting because um, I was looking for ways because I was brand new to my faith, but I wanted to I was desperate to know more about God and what it means to be a Christian. And so um, met this person named uh, person named Chris and through him. Um, I was introduced to Pastor Jung and this discipleship training that they were doing. Um, and we did that for about uh, one year and two years, uh, about two years-ish, year and a half. Um, and then everyone started to graduate from college um, and started um, getting a, a life, a job, an occupation. Um, and so we were praying, we were, but we were still doing these discipleship trainings on a weekly basis. Um, but we uh, we were praying we were desperate and uh, one day you know um, while we were praying god gave us the desire to start a church together uh, we, we wanted a church that was founded in just solely what god wanted um, to just serve god only um, and to find to be that true worshiper that god was looking for um, and so uh, we thought you know, it was God gave us the vision to create a church. And so in 2014, that's how GJH ministry was was founded. Those early days of of GJH was really there on campus. Where were you meeting at in on campus? So it was um, we were actually we all were living around the Duluth area. Um, I think it was about like eight or eight or nine of us um but we were all living in that duluth duluth area so um every single one of us came back um home on a week on a weekend basis and so every saturday we would meet um, i think uh it was at a local panera bread uh, we would meet early on saturday mornings and do those trainings um and then uh yeah and um yeah it was it was all over the place. It was different, different cafes all the time, but mostly Panera Bread. Um, we would just meet up, and uh, the first book that we we were really looking at was something called um, Salvation and God's Plan. Uh, it's a Korean book, but it was kind of in a theological way explaining what salvation is and what it means to be saved. And then also uh, right after that, we started a book called Experiencing God uh, by Henry Black Abbey. Um, so that was life-changing books that the pastor experienced in his life of faith and just wanted to share that onto us. Now, the first book you mentioned, that one is translated into English because I actually, I have it. I don't know. I'm unfamiliar with the second book, but the first one, um, I don't know if I have it here, but I definitely do. Uh, on yeah. The yeah. The I, think, I think there was a translated version of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I was reading the Korean version um, while we were doing the training, but it was, 
it was a lot of it was a lot of theology. Um, so <laughs> a lot of us who didn't study theology were very confused. But luckily, he he explained it to us and kind of explained that path of salvation and uh, and that path. And so, but. Yeah, I would imagine that might be some heavy reading for somebody who is just becoming a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Um, so, and you, the, the group of you had a kind of a mentor through the pastor. Yes. Um, how long did you guys kind of hop around to different cafes and different locations? And how did you, how did GGH arrive to the current location that you're in in Duluth? Uh, you know what? It's funny is that <clears throat> that the church we're at right now, um, I think before we came in, it was a Korean Christian radio broadcasting a little office. And so uh, funny because our pastor knew the person who was running that business and they allowed us to use that space originally to do our discipleship training uh, before we left that place and they started trying to bounce around. Um, and then, like I said, as we were praying and finding a church place, um, I think when we started in 2014, we started at, at someone's house, um, did that a couple of times. And then we, we went to a different thing. It was like a, a tutoring business office that we got a chance to uh, rent. So did that. And then um, as we kept praying, uh, one day, like we saw on like a listserv on, their, on a website that that same office space that we started our discipleship training um, and that, that we're using now um, the original Korean broadcasting uh, business left, found a different place and that place came open. And so um, we were like, this must be, this is definitely God's glory. He wants us, he wants us to do this. And so we uh, just started our official church there. <laughs> and that's pretty typical for a new church development. Uh, oftentimes kind of hop around in different locations and even different times of the week just kind of settle in. So GGH today, let's talk about the kind of the diversity of, of age and what the, what the new church development looks like in terms of, of uh, those who participate and those who are attending. Cause that makes this group pretty unique uh, in terms of Cumberland Presbyterians, primarily because of the the age of of those who are part of it. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, so, um, so the original group of members who started the discipleship training, discipleship training um, they began. They started finding jobs um, and started their careers. Now, most of us are just separated all around the place. Uh, but we have core members right now. Um, we have about one student who's attending college, uh, which is the pastor's son. Um, and then we have about seven or eight of us who are in to late 20s to in the 30s, uh, who are just all working and um, attending and being part of ministry and working. Um, and then we have just a handful, uh, hand few of members who are just in the upper 40s, 50s. Um, so I would say 80% of us are in the 20s, early 30s, just young adults. Um, and but the but the churches, it's 
the ministry is continuing because of the passion of our young adults uh, and their desire for God and desire for ministry. Uh, and so it continues to churn. <laughs> From the community's perspective, what do you think, what stands out about GJH in terms of your, your mission in your ministry? I would say, I mean, internally, our motto is in Jesus from cradle to eternity. Um, and so we really, tr our main focus is bridging that gap uh, from being that, being uh, a Sunday Christian to how can we carry on that Sunday Christian faith into our daily lives? Um, and so that's what our pastor focuses most of his sermons on. And um, as we continue to do our um, weekly discipleship training um, is to bridge that gap. Um, that's what we say internally. Um, in the community-wise, uh, we we try to do our best to serve the community. Um, we're actually, this the road that our church is located is like a Bible belt itself. <laughs> Left and right, there's a church um, that's right next to us. And so um, it's a blessing. Um, at the same time, um, we're just in a jungle of churches. But uh, we still try to serve the church, uh, serve the community of Duluth in different ways by, uh, we have an adopt a road that we're in charge of. Um, and so there's a road that's right next to us that we adopted, um, that we do on a yearly basis uh, to maintain it and clean it. Um, and so there's like a sign that has GJH ministry on it saying that we own that road. Um, and before COVID, um, we used to do, uh, on a monthly basis, we attended a retirement home that was nearby. Um, and so uh, a couple of us, we just went there on a monthly basis and kind of worshiped with seniors and, you know, kind of shared a little bit about Jesus and just had a conversation with them. Uh, and they loved it, you know, because um, they don't get a lot of youngsters, young adults coming in. And and so that was definitely a blessing. But COVID, with the start of COVID and retirement, especially retirement homes, just shutting everything down, um, that kind of windled a little bit. And we're trying to find the right time to kind of restart that again. John, the GJH Ministries, for me in English, is quite the tongue twister. So what is it, just for me, what is it in Korean? So the Korean name is called Yesu Somgim Gyoe. Okay. Yesu. It means, um, so Yesu is Jesus, Somgim mm -hmm. is serving, and then Gyoe is church. So uh, a church serving Jesus, basically. Okay. Is the Korean interpretation. Um, so we used to go by uh, followers of Jesus Church was the English name I think we originally used. Um, but at some point we started to use GJH ministry. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember when, <laughs> why. Uh, sometimes we start, we, we sometimes we do use followers of Jesus, Jesus Church. I'm not critiquing the name by any means. I'm just saying for me, I have to think before I rattle it off, just so yeah. that, because I want to put that G and that J together, and, and then it doesn't sound like either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, no fault to you. A, a lot of, every, I think every single person has a tongue twister with that name. So I try to, I do not use that name on a regular basis. But You mentioned that you were a new Christian as you were entering into college. Yes. L let's let's kind of dive into that a little bit deeper. So did you have any faith encounters 
Um, and what was that pivotal moment for you as a young person? Yeah. Um, so my mom's side, um, she has uh, many, many brothers. <clears throat> Excuse me. She has, she has around four to five brothers uh, back in Korea, but um, two of them are actually pastors. Her, her parents were very um, passionate about their Christian faith. Um, she also had a sister who went through um, ministry or seminary. And so her family side has deep roots and um, faith. With your mother growing up in that environment, uh, was she drawn to the faith or did that kind of, uh, did she want push away from it? So that I, I know um, because of her parents and her brothers and her siblings, uh, when she was in Korea, um, she had a lot of time with faith. And that was something that was, that was very, uh, it was a something that she can hold on to life to give her a little more strength and a little more foundation. Uh, but as she immigrated to the States and trying to adapt to the new culture and country and, and, um, and trying to make a living that, uh, that kind of diminished a little bit. Um, and the fact that she didn't really have a community of believers um, that she could um, communicate with. And so I think that kind of demit, that kind of pushed her away, uh, made her um, less think about less about her faith. And so that kind of carried on. And that's why um, I didn't really have any idea of, uh, of having uh, a relationship with Jesus or having faith at all. Um, and then, kind of lived like that in in 18 years i was one of those you know i was i was a non-believer um saying oh there's uh, you know there's the christian god there's all these different kind of religions that's that's all cool uh, but there's just it's just a religion just like any other religion um it was actually the senior year of, of my high school uh, my dad had a he was he's a non-believer as well and so but you know, he, I'm an only child. So he wanted me to take, take me to a place where I can hang out with some of my peers and, um, kind of build that relationship. And so he had a really good friend at his workplace who was actually a pastor, um, and who had a church, you know, who's, who was leading a church. Um, and so my dad, who was a believer, he was like, Hey, you know, why don't you, let's, let's go out to this church. Um, so that you can build some friends. Uh, and so that's how I ended up going to church, started going to church. I was like, I kind of kind of denied him for a little bit. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, church isn't my really thing. Uh, but like, you know, why not? I'll, I'll give it a try. And so that was back in, I think it was 2012, um, Easter Sunday. Uh, we went to, went to church um, and then spent time there and, um, first couple of months, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, um, I didn't really pay attention to the sermons. Uh, I was like, what am I doing here? Um, but I just went cause I don't, I just, I don't like starting something and not finishing it to the end. Uh, and so I just, I just went there, um, on a regular basis. Uh, but it was actually the, we had a summer retreat. Um, I think it was uh, sometime in, in, in the summer. Um, at that church, um, it was actually a really small church. It was only, it was only about six young adults there or six high schoolers. Um, 
that church uh, eventually, because of financial reasons and everything, closed down, unfortunately. And that's how I met the next group. But um, it was the summer retreat of that of um, that year of 2012, um, where we had a time of just prayer. And remember, I was listening to um, Jesus Culture, I Need You More, praise song. That was just it was just a song that was just praying. Um, they were just playing in the background. And that those verses, and I think we were reading John chapter 3. Um, and I was just reading John chapter 3. And then I saw John chapter 316. And I just kept reading that verse over and over again for some reason. And it just came at me like, like a 3D. Um, and the song in the background of I Need You More, um, out of nowhere, like tears just started flowing out of my eyes for some reason. And uh, I started to just like this 18 years, 18 year old at at that time, like just my life just flashed at my eyes for some reason. Um, And that, in that moment, I, um, I didn't even know what repenting was, um, but I just started repenting. I'm like, I was like, God, um, I'm so sorry for not knowing you and for all the, bad things that I did in my life so far. I didn't even do anything that bad. <laughs> like I wasn't <laughs> doing any drugs or anything. Or anything. And, uh, I wasn't in a gang or anything. Uh, but I was just like, I don't. I just felt really bad for something. I was like, God, I'm so sorry for not knowing you at this moment. Uh, and thank you so much for, you know, what you said in John 3.16, for sending your only son um, so that we can have eternal life. And um, that moment, that's when I professed my faith in God and started to to believe in him and, and Jesus. This was a pretty pivotal moment in your life because you just graduated high school. You're looking towards college and just, uh, you know, weeks, weeks away. What was that transformation like? Because your life is drastically changing already without a commitment to faith. Um, a lot of my friends looked at me funny. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> This random guy who I was friends with, now he's like reading the Bible on a daily basis and is so committed to going to church. Um, it, it didn't create any any drift uh, from uh, with my, any of my friends, but it was definitely, a, you know, I didn't even know, like, and like, like I said in the beginning, before I started discipleship training, like, I didn't even know what I was doing. Um, I know I had this experiment, experimental experience with God. Um, I remember just going through that and, but I didn't know exactly what it was. Um, and there was really no one that kind of dragged me and helped me understand what that meant. Um, but what I knew was, um, my heart was set on God. And, um, I said on that day that I will follow his word and I'll, you know, guard my faith till the end. And so that kind of led me to, um, go from that perspective of, of just living in this world, being a worldly person to someone. Okay. So how can I live my life now with this uh, faith of Jesus inside of me? I would imagine that your head was just full of questions uh, about the scriptures, about how to live, about articulating this change in your life. Where looking back, where did you go for places prior to GJH or what became GGH? Where were you going for 
for answers, for encouragement, for knowledge, for understanding? I, I really didn't have anyone in my first couple of months. And I remember just coming out of that retreat, like I was, I was fired up, you know, I was <laughs> like, I'm going to be the most avid Christian um, that anyone can find. I was just passionate. Um, but, you know, just like anything that you're fired about, like, cause it's just all filled with emotions. Um, after a few weeks, you know, I mean, I was reading the Bible on a daily basis after that, but after a few weeks, as that emotion and feeling kind of diminished, um, I was kind of lost. I was like, and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I don't, I, you know, I think at that point I should have went to the pastor at that time of my, of that current church and kind of talked to him about it and about my experiences. But, um, I was kind of at that time, my, my personality was a little timid and shy. Um, and so like, I didn't want to go up to him. Um, and my parents, they, you know, they don't, they didn't have a faith. And so like, they wouldn't understand. I thought that they wouldn't understand what I was going through. Um, you know, it's kind of like going through puberty again, <laughs> that state of finding your identity. Yeah. Um, I think I, I try to figure it out. And that's why, um, when I started, um, college at UGA, um, I found a, a Korean Christian organization. Um, and that, that organization was was huge. There was about a hundred to about close to a hundred members there. Um, and I think it was there. That's, uh, at that place, that's where I met a couple of, um, older seniors, like a couple of the, me the members that I mentioned before. Um, and that's where I kind of met them and they were trying to guide me in my faith. Um, they, we, we did on a weekly basis, a Bible study, um, worshiped and prayed, but I think still at that point, I was still very confused. I didn't understand what the Bible was saying or anything. That's really interesting that it was seniors, you're a freshman. So you had that element of age. And of course, they have the experience of three or more years there at the college. So you already naturally look up to them. But then to complement all of that, is as a young disciple, you had people to go to, to help answer your questions and they were willing to do so. Mm -hmm. They were, yeah, they were very open. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure like they were just put into leadership positions because of their age and, and status in, high, in college, but, but still like, you know, they were passionate about um, their faith and I, I'm pretty sure they were still at that stage of figuring out their faith. Uh, but they really wanted to help uh, me, uh, me especially, help me grow my faith and kind of find my path uh, so I can focus my road going towards Jesus in instead of going in different directions. Going back to the late summer of uh, 2012, as you made a commitment to Christ, can you recall what it was like in terms of how that changed your decision-making your your perception of the world, uh, the relationships relationships that you were making. Uh, I know that was a while ago, but what little transformations were you experiencing during that time? No, definitely. Um, before, um, I guess since it's my experience as an only child, uh, I spent a lot of time just thinking to myself um, and trying to figure out, 
you know, where should I go to college? All the decisions, like where should I live? How, how should I live my life? Uh, and I did that on my on a regular basis uh, by myself, just thinking to myself. Um, I had my parents, um, but like my personality back then wasn't the type of person that would just talk to my parents about my questions and difficulties. What do you mean, John? I mean, you were, you weren't the atypical teenager who communicates with their, their guardians, <laughs> their parents, but they, you didn't open up your whole life to them. No, no, um, you know, I was a bad kid. And <laughs> I didn't want to No, And, you know, I mean, it's typical, but I think just the personality of just being an only child and just, um, and it's not a, uh, just an internal Internally, um, I was a little more timid and shy, and so um, did a lot of thinking to myself. But um, starting at that point, um, after I experienced God and accepted Jesus as my Lord, I started to reach out to the Scripture more um, and try to find answers to my life and my identity uh, within the Bible. Um, and you know, but I didn't, I didn't find my answers because I didn't know what I was, <laughs> I was reading. At the time, um, but I started to pray more as well. Uh, I didn't really get any answers to my prayers uh, because I didn't know how to discern God's voice in my life, and so I was just praying to God, "Hey, God, this is what I want to do." But I had someone that I was talking to now um, was definitely a a hope, a sign of hope in my life uh, to have someone, an eternal, external being that was there watching over us and loving us. Um, and I think the biggest thing was I learned kind of what love actually is. Um, the fact that Jesus sacrificed his son uh, was the part that really stuck out to me. It's like, why would someone, you know, why would one person, one man, uh, although he's God, do that for all of us that that he doesn't, he hasn't even physically seen. Uh, and so that love that kind of stuck out to me. And I was more of a, just a personal, let me do everything myself. I want to do everything for myself. It kind of focused towards, okay, so now how can I share that love um, to others? Let's talk more about the mentors that uh, help shape your faith in those uh, early months and early couple years and what that meant to you at that time and how that speaks to your faith now as someone who's been a follower of Christ for well more than 10 years. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, I'm really grateful for um, the seniors at that, um, at when I was attending college to someone be there to talk about my faith a little more on a personal basis. Um, but it was a lot of Bible studying and trying to, to interpret and translate what the bible uh, what the new testament what the gospels were saying uh, i think i grew a little bit of knowledge about jesus's life and, and the ministry he took um that he um he took part in but uh, definitely the, the biggest deciding point or the turning point in my life was um when i was invited into that discipleship training that they, um, that the group of people were doing with Pastor Joan, um, because I kind of defined like how to live my Christian faith instead of just 
reading the Bible and seeing what the Bible was saying and trying to interpret what that means. Um, it really helped us live our faith. Um, and when those, you know, when those difficulties, because everyone goes to that kind of crisis of faith of, hey, is what I'm believing in really alive and real? Um, I think when those moments come and those thoughts come into my head, um, helps me remember that, you know, God is real, God is alive, and and I have to guard my faith um, and continue to guard it. And that kind of helped me um, create a path to step more into and becoming more involved in ministry uh, and wanting to find different ways to evangelize and serve the church and do different ways so that um, I can help other Christian believers in my faith as well. Typically, as people enter into college as young adults, maybe they grew up in the church, professed to faith. It's that young adulthood that we often tend to sort of separate ourselves from from the community of faith and maybe the entire belief system of, of Christianity. And here you are, you're the exact opposite of some of those statistics and, and general thinking. So what was it like to live on campus or around campus, be on campus, and you're hungry to know more about uh, the faith and practice your faith when traditionally it's at that time that young adults, um, it may not be so much the center or the core of, yeah. of their life. Anything yeah. interesting that happened to you looking back at that time? I was, I would say, um, I was separated from a lot of my peers most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it, it, it was definitely tough. Mm -hmm. Um, especially with a lot of, uh, a lot of my peers that are around. Um, so I was actually doing ROTC, um, to join the air force at that time. And so a lot of them were actually disciplined, uh, very disciplined. And the peers around me, they were all disciplined in their in their faith as well. And so, um, luckily, I had a I had a brother in arms who were in their faith as well that um, kind of met up on a on a weekly basis as well. But um, it, it was definitely tough because a lot of the friend, a lot of the friends that I was uh, that I grew up with in high school and middle school um, was doing something else, and then trying to. Um, do schoolwork, finish my degree, DRTC, and on top of that, most importantly, try to develop a relationship with God on a college campus um, was was definitely was not it wasn't easy. Um, but I would say the four to five years that I was in college and the decisions that I made and the discipline that I had to learn in that time is something that I, I look back on and kind of helped me, reminds me how I got here in my point of life and um, how amazing God is and the grace that he's given to me in my life. Um, and I look back on that so that I don't forget the grace that God has given to me in my life. Is there a meaningful experience, something early in your faith or something here current or recent that uh, was a great encounter? a great pivotal moment with your relationship with Christ? 
That's a, that's a tough one. I would, I would just say, I would say that that turning point when I actually personally met God for the first time, I would definitely say that is the most pivotal point in my Christian faith. Um, because that's when I uh, accepted Jesus as my Lord. And that was just the starting point and the turning point of my life and the starting point of my Christian faith. And whenever I feel like I'm on a, on a downturn of my faith or I'm losing my foothold, um, I kind of look back at that moment of, okay, why am I doing this? And how did I get here in the first place? And if I just take a moment, um, close my eyes and try to revive that moment, I reminded of of God's grace or God's love for me. And so I think that's just been, um, I guess, a remembering point for me, for me to turn back to. You're uh, currently doing some discernment now and exploring the call to ministry. So let's talk about that yes. for, for a bit. What is that call of ministry and kind of walk me through uh, that experience and where and leading up to where you are now. I just feel like I knew, knew at one point. What's I, pretty neat. Like, uh, excuse me for interrupting. So when I was asking you this question, um, to see the joy in your eyes and the smile on your face, just by me asking about the, your call to ministry, it can't be translated over a podcast, but I at least had to, to mention that it was just, I just saw you light up even more uh, in our conversation, and I just want to take note of that. I talked over you, John. Please go ahead. No, I mean, I know it's it's not going to be an easy path. I, 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 you know, I feel like the most difficult path is the path of ministry and ministering. But I knew at one point, like in my life, like I would attend seminary. Um, it's just because of how much I want to dive into the church and serve the church more. Uh, I don't know. I didn't like at that time when I was thinking about it a couple of years ago. Um, I just felt like it was just a necessity for me to just um, so I can spend more time and, and learn more about God. Um, but I think the turning point was I, I spend a lot of time in the church right now and serving the church in, in different ministries. Um, and so I feel like this was a decision. I'm, I'm, I'm serving the church already. Um, and the church is, is, is a home for me. Um, it's where I find my um, happy place that people call it. Um, it's, it says it's, it's not easy. Church work and ministry is definitely not easy. And I know a lot of people will uh, agree and attest to that. Um, but it's at the end of the day, when you're doing ministry, um, you know, you don't do do it for your selfish uh, or your the joy out of it uh, for yourself. Um, you just do it because because of the love that Jesus showed for us and and you're doing it for him and for his glory. Um, and we were talking really about I'm sorry, go ahead. And we were talking off mic uh, about service, uh, service in the military, and then, you know, that the ministry is service as well, a very different type of service. But mm -hmm. And there is something about diving deeper. I can see you following through 
wanting to know more to be, to be better equipped to be that disciple. And, you know, you know you're in the early stages of, as a candidate for ministry of Tennessee, Georgia, but it's, it's a wonderful stage to be in in preparing for, uh, for ministry and exploring that call. The, the call for ministry, I feel like, I mean, the, the one word that really sticks out to me when I think about call of ministry is, is servitude mm. uh, and sacrifice. Servitude <laughs> and sacrifice is, is two words that, I, uh, that really stick out to me. <laughs> but I go back, um, I go back to that moment where I personally encountered God and the turning point in my life. I think about my life, my 18 years of life before I met God um, and how, uh, how lonely it was and how um, I was at a point of just low self-esteem and was very confused in my life. Um, but that turning point really changed my life around of my perspective of the world and, and the hope that I gained out of that. And so that was the kind of same servitude and sacrifice that I wanted to make um, so that at least one other person can experience the same experience that I went through um, by meeting Jesus um, to help them in that path and and experience that life-changing moment um, for them as well. Yeah, and that's how I, I try to live out my call. And to be there in those moments of joy as we're learning as disciples and even the the tough times that life can bring us to be available and to be a presence. Speaking of presence, where do you see God's presence in your life right here, right now, presently? We often talk about our faith, and in doing so, we talk about the past. And But when people are, are searching for comfort, solace, understanding, uh, grace. It's important for us as Christians to talk in the present tense. So how are you experiencing God's presence today? I want to say, I just want to say um, in my daily life, I want to say something that we're that I'm trying to do recently is um, regenerate our lost campus ministry. Um, so I'm, I'm currently working at University of Georgia right now. And so I try to find time throughout my work day um, to go out and evangelize and try to restart our campus ministry that has been lost since I graduated college. Uh, it's tough, <laughs> it's tough trying to find, first talking to college students, um, because totally different from when I went through and the mindset that they have, um, and trying to talk to people that, you know, I've never met and trying to start a ministry with someone that I've never met before. Um, it's definitely difficult, um, but I know that's something that God wants me to do currently, um, while I'm, while I'm here working here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe, go ahead. How do you approach someone on campus or in the community and start a faith conversation? What What's working for you? So for me, I try to use the same method that I used to utilize when I was here. Um, 
when I was doing campus ministry when I was a student, um, which is something I learned from uh, working with crew, uh, the crusade uh, organization, because we did a couple of things together with them. They had this survey, um, like a, a faith survey, like a Christian faith survey. And I felt like that was very useful because you can approach students and ask them, hey, do you want to fill out a survey about um, Christianity? And so it asks, um, it has a couple of questions. Um, it has certain questions about just Christianity itself, and it has personal questions um, going diving into like personal, hey, have you ever experienced God? Do you believe God exists? Um, and that survey has worked because if you try to approach college students, hey, do you want to talk about Jesus? <laughs> um, it's not really effective. And a lot of them, even though, even if they are Christian, um, they get, they kind of push away a little bit. But if you approach them in a different method, like that worked for me, is like a service survey method. Um, college students are kind of open to that um, because it's kind of unique and they like doing surveys sometimes. Um, you can kind of tweak it a little bit and say, hey, I'm doing a survey for my class or a study that I'm doing. And that kind of helped me in my my conversation starters. Uh, but it's, I think it needs a little bit more work. Uh, I think what work, works best personally if you're trying to start a ministry is if you have a, if you do relationship evangelism, uh, starting with someone that you know first and kind of training them up a little bit um, kind of helps as well. Yeah, having that established trust with a friend or a coworker, neighbor, whoever it may be, can lead to those deeper conversations because you feel safe enough and, you know, your colleague, your friend also is open to, to listening, may not agree, but opening to listen because you've invested into one another's lives and it's easier to, I don't want to use the word risk, but it's easier to begin those conversations that could lead to something great and transformative. And it might be a dead end, but it's a whole lot easier if we have a relationship with that individual. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Cause you can always try again at another time. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there, there are times that we may not be receptive, you know, something's going on in our lives or we're distracted or, uh, we don't have the, we don't have the space that's needed to go that deep, to have those meaningful conversations. But the relational aspect is, is really important. I think it's really important in this day and age, but that's, I did want to ask you, how do you approach essentially cold on a campus or at least in a public setting um, to engage people in a faith conversation. John, do you mind sharing maybe a, an experience of, of that technique and that method and how it led to a, a deep faith conversation with someone? Um, so recently I haven't, I haven't gotten that. It's been difficult recently. Um, did the survey, but like I've never done, I've never gotten the, the into the state of where I can have a deep conversation uh, mm -hmm. with one of the students. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say a couple of years ago when I was actually, when I was doing the same method, uh, when I was here, 
Um, I met two college students. Um, one of them is, is part of our church, um, but we um, I approached him and kind of that method. Um, God, it's been a while back. I'm trying to remember how I did it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think the conversation that we had is um, that I wanted to share with them was, hey, what do you what do you think your life is going from here? Um, you know, because that is the million dollar question for college students. You know, you're working on this degree, you're about to graduate, but do you know what you want to do with your life <laughs> from, from this point on? Um, and I kind of, you know, I use that method and, and the, the students that I talked to, um, like, not really sure, not really sure what to do, what, what they want to do after they graduate. So and I think just attempting to have conversations is maybe more than we're already doing, mm-hmm. you know, um, and approaching folks just to have conversation. And maybe faith is a good conversation opener. Maybe it's not. It's, I think it's going to depend. Yeah. But definitely it's difficult. Let's shift our conversation over to the church, the Christian church at large, um, and the Cumberland Presbyterian Church as well. John, what do you think that we are getting right in terms of our encounters in the community, and what do you think that we as a church is missing in the 21st century? Wow, there are some... Big question. <laughs> um, I don't want to say, I don't want to put my personal thoughts into uh, opinions and saying what, what is right and what is, what is missing. Um, but I think what is amazing um, that the church is doing uh, and our CP community is doing is that in this day and age uh, where you know, there's so many information out there via social media, YouTube, um, the news, and everyone has their own personal thoughts. Um, and the diversity of thoughts that are <laughs> that are rising <laughs> these days, uh, I'm not, I won't personally mention, but to in this day and age, I feel like it's to be able to have still a church of community of believers that still have faith in Jesus. Um, in the truth of the Bible, um, not waning to the right or to the left, uh, is I think that's that's still amazing. Because um, when I think of this generation, even though I'm part of this generation, is it's it's tough. It's it's a tough day and age to ha- have faith. Because like I said, there's so is so much information out there, so much misleading information out there via social media and everything else. Um, some of them is some of them some of the information is correct, but some of them. Information is just so waning, uh, one-sided or the other. Um, it's hard to just stay in the middle and be abided in the truth. Um, what the church is missing, uh, I want to say missing, but more of what I hope for for the church uh, can do in the future is be be the be the salt and light of the world. I know that's vague, but you know, our our central great mission, is, great commission, is to spread the gospel to the ends of the world. Um, 
I mean, we definitely can't get every single person and everyone has their own beliefs um, and faith, but in some way, voicing our voicing our voices into the world of just speaking the truth um, and, you know, not saying like, not just simply saying, hey, believe in Jesus uh, because the Bible says so, but, you know, this is, you know, just speaking versus speaking the truth uh, when we speak our opinions basing it off the bible and um and trying to lead people into that direction mm. i think uh inviting people into our lives helps with understanding as well you know being able to open ourselves up to allow others to understand or get a better idea of what makes us tick what is behind our thinking and our actions and that still allows the freedom for that other person to to inquire more or to back away. I think that would be helpful as well. That's something I've been given thought to in terms of even even in the neighborhood that I live in, of how easy it is to just pull into the driveway mm-hmm. and then go indoors and wave, but I'm waving through windshields and windows. Or, you know, from mailbox to mailbox. And there are opportunities there for deeper encounters to for them to to know who the next door neighbor is and for me to know that next door neighbor even even more. And I think we create barriers of glass and brick and wood that provides a safety measure. And maybe we're called to be a little more braver than that. I don't know. Still working through that one. I know. I mean, I, I totally agree. Um, I I personally try, I think most of my attention is really trying to start um, even with my family, family members. Because um, I mentioned earlier, uh, my parents are still, they, they don't have faith um, yet in Jesus. And so that's definitely been my number one prayer um, since years ago. Um, and so it's, it's kind of difficult sometimes uh, because you know, they see me spending all this time in the church and and doing all these things. And sometimes they don't really understand um, why I do it and what I'm doing it for. Uh, I'm not, and I'm not the best explainer of things, uh, but that's, you know, that's always been my wish and my prayer. Uh, my number one prayer is for my parents to first uh, believe in Jesus and get their faith in Jesus and, have this family of of believers what does your family think of your calling into ministry um i i I don't they just they just don't understand (laughs) they don't know what (laughs) Uh, i mean my mom my like i said my mother has siblings who live in that path Mm -hmm. and they know how difficult it is and the sacrifices that they have to make Mm -hmm. and so she doesn't want to see me in that same path um, which is understandable mm-hmm. uh, but they just don't because because there is no faith inside of them and the reason for having faith um, it's difficult for them to understand uh, basically and no matter how many different ways i try to explain it to them in my personal terms uh, i think they just still see it differently and so um, since i can't do it 
I'm praying that God and the Holy Spirit will help them understand. <laughs> well, John, what music and movies and books are speaking to your faith? And they, they can be old. It can be old music, books, movies, or something you've run into or you're studying right now. Because you're, you're taking some seminary courses right now, correct? Yes, um, I was. So I was, I'm actually, um, I'm taking a break this semester. Mm-hmm. Um, um, because I just not having the opportunity to do so. Um, but I would say music wise, um, the one song that really, really helps me remember my faith is that same song um, that I was listening to when I personally met God, which is I Need You More uh, by Jesus Culture, Kim Walker. Do you still go back to it even now? Mm-hmm. Yes. From time to time, like when I feel like I'm I'm waiting a little bit, I try to go back to that song and try to revive that moment. Um, but I would say the the most life changing book for me was uh, "Experiencing God" by Henry Black Abbey. Um, <clears throat> it's Henry Black Abbey is is a Baptist minister, uh, but that if you look into that book and kind of look into the details, it kind of helps. It's it's meant for discipleship training, uh, but it kind of breaks it down into uh, the life of Moses and his faith in God and how. Uh, how he started and how it transformed his life. And there's just something called seven realities of experiencing God, of um, a relationship of receiving God and that crisis of belief that you go through and overcoming that. And when you obey, you experience God. Um, so it kind of breaks it up like that. And that kind of really helped me uh, actually practice my faith in my daily life um, instead of just learning um, information and fundamentals about the Bible. And how about at uh, seminary? What's been your favorite course so far? I know this will change as you keep going deeper, but I took so I took two courses last semester: uh, Introduction to Cousin Presbytery and then um, History. I don't want to say a specific course, <laughs> uh, uh, just in case the professor is listening. But um... well, I didn't say professor. That's why I said <laughs> course. That way. <laughs> No, but I, I would say I would say both. Honestly, um, I would say both both courses were eye opening to me um, because one, um, even though I've been in, in the Cumberland Presbyterian community, I just didn't know anything about it, uh, and so that course, uh, the intro to that course, kind of helped me understand a little bit more about um, the CP history and and how the CP Church came to be and and the state that it is right now, um, and the and the three pillars that we learned about scholarship priority um it, those those three pillars have just been an eye experience because i've never thought about it in, in that perspective of um in that culture and so um, those pillars have been been kind of shifting like i've have jumbled in all the information that i knew about god and how i experienced god and has created those three pillars into uh, three, three different themes in my life yeah, what well, it's scholarship, piety, and justice. Yes, yeah. For uh, Memphis Theological Seminary. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, and so those three pillars have um, kind of defined my, I guess my my fundamentals in faith, and kind of put it into those three pillars and how I can practice that into my faith. Um, and then just learning about Christian history um, and 
how it began um, since Jesus and into the into the Roman Empire and, and how it's evolved since then. Um, I just didn't know, and it kind of helps me um, just think about. And it's it's been a long time since the Christian faith and all the history that it's gone through. And yeah, and I, and I'm just happy in order for us to be here today. When I think of that way, I just think I'm just one little tiny speck yeah. in a timeline of of a particular faith, the Christian faith, and it's just hum- humanity to begin with, just a little tiny little speck, unnoticeable, undistinguishable. Uh, and there's just been some wonderful people throughout the the history of Christianity that have done great things that have impacted the world and people in great ways for good ways and um and i'm a beneficiary of that i agree yeah in in christianity and in the cumberland presbyterian church it's pretty amazing john i got one more question for you if you could ask god one thing and you knew you just knew that you would get an answer what would it be I think this is a similar question I ask God on a, on a regular basis is, you know, I'm just anxious to see what my life looks like in the next five, 10, 15 years. <laughs> yeah. So looking out, looking out. Yeah. I wonder if we would even recognize ourselves. Not, I don't mean just physically, but like spiritually from a faith point of view, our own thinking, you know, cause there's a lot of life to experience between now and then. How will it change us? That's yeah, that's the question. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, we we always um, set these plans for ourselves of where we want to do, uh, what we want to do, and where we want to be. But I think I feel like at the end of the day, um, I feel like the God, the answer that God gives me every single time is that uh, don't worry about it. You know, where wherever you'll be in five, ten, fifteen years, you're gonna get there. Uh, but the most important thing is that. Um, five, 10, 15 years from now, the most important thing is that you don't lose faith in me um, because where you need to be, I'm going to lead you there, but just don't lose faith in me. Um, and so that's, you know, and I say, got it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Not to get lost into the unknown, but just kind of focus on the relationship that we have yeah. now and trust. John, thank you. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this faith journey on Cumberland Road. To support this podcast, subscribe, follow, and share with others. In closing, I want to read a passage from a book that John mentioned in our conversation, Experiencing God by Henry and Richard Blackaby. People do not seek God on their own initiative. God always takes the lead in pursuing a loving relationship with you. This love relationship is real, personal, and extremely practical.